So for me, I had to kind of figure out during the way of who I was, the athletic identities. Like when athletics wasn't going well, I wasn't going well. And that was when the mask came up. And that's when I was scared to be vulnerable. It's like, yo, I don't want to be tough. I don't want to feel like I got to be aggressive. Because I said at times, I feel like when I've been playing sports, I've been playing out of anger for fear. And just to try to make it like, you know, when you ex- when you have less exposure, I think you tend to put on a mask. You f- you're very guarded, you're very tight, and you're very protective. It's like, from uh, all, if all you see is the basketball court and drug dealers and this, that, and the third, it's like, well, I only got two options. This basketball stuff has to work. So for me, it was definitely uh, a mask was consistently with sports and just in everyday life. Like, I got to be perfect almost. And, you know, that's, that's tough for a young kid to process and not having parents that was getting help for their trauma that they had. And so now for me, when I look at it, I don't judge my parents as I used to because I understand that we all have a past and we all have, we all wear a mask at some point. It's about when do you feel comfortable for yourself? Welcome to the Taking Off the Mask podcast. My name is Ashanti Branch, and I'm really glad you've joined us. Today's conversation is with Nafis Ricks. He's a mental health educator. Uh, He's an athlete. He works with athletes and men and young men around the emotions that we deal with and the baggage that we don't deal with. Uh, Today's conversation, we talk about sports uh, in the sense that how sports causes young men who are passionate about playing these sports to sometimes even disconnect from their own mental well-being. Uh, to suck it up, man up. Whatever you messages you were told as a little boy that tried to make you tougher, which in some ways some people say they work. But at what point do you take that off and do you stop? This is part of our work. So today you're going to hear this conversation and I'm super glad that we have connected and I'm looking forward to more opportunities to connect with um, Brother Nafis and the work that he's doing to support men and boys around this country. Uh, hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you want to create your own mask, you can do that at www.100kmasks.com and you can share your mask anonymously with one picture and six words. We look forward to you being a part of this movement. Thank you for listening. It was great. I mean, yeah, yeah I, I, it's a telltale story or whatever. Okay. So I'm excited right. to share. Okay. Well, you know, you, you have yours. And, I, and actually, I'm going to tell you a, a quick story about the mask that I'm going to share. Um, so I happened to, I was cleaning my desk off. <laughs> You're like, okay, finally. And um, I found a mask I made two years ago. Uh, yeah, so it was really interesting. I was like, oh, what, my age? my age is different there. And I was like, okay. Wow, this is too. I've been making masks since we started this campaign, but so the mask I'm going to share, and actually, it's still true today. And so uh, I'm going to share a mask that um, two years ago I still feel really deeply connected to. So I'm going to. Uh, we'll jump in, and and so I just want to say first of all, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for being no on the Taking Off the Mask podcast. Well, um, thank you for having me, man. Appreciate this. Well, how about for our audience who doesn't know you yet? How about you just take a couple of minutes and tell us who you are, like what you're up to in the world, like, um, and we'll jump in, you know, because today's not really okay. an interview. I'm not here to interview you. 
I'm here to like be in the conversation with you. So, you know, like I want to learn, I want our audience to learn about who you are and what you're up to, but also the work you're doing to, to serve other men in our community. So whatever feels right to share, you can uh, share that now. Okay. Well, my name is Nafis Ricks. Uh, I'm from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, my background is sports background. I use, always use sports uh, to gateway and segue in certain topics because I think that's been a big part of my life. Uh, as I've been playing sports, I have spiraled to my lifestyle, my confidence, uh, my vulnerability has shown through my maturity as far as coming clean with the mental health and understanding that it's all right to be vulnerable. I'm currently a mental health advocate. I just actually got my master's uh, in positive coaching, a branch of psychology at the University of Missouri. Uh, I'm currently uh, attacking or being steadfast on getting my PhD in counseling uh, psychology to become a counseling psychologist one day. And the work that I'm doing now, and just I'm hosting Zoom meetings for black boys and black men to show who they are. And really, like you said, taking the mask off, but really being vulnerable and showing that it's all right to be vulnerable because I think that's a sign of strength. And, you know, I just want to not reinvent the wheel, but continue the legacy for black men and black boys because I think it's very, very important that you show that vulnerability part and showing that it's okay to not be okay. So that's a little bit about me. And I'm excited about having this candid conversation with you, Ashanti. Man, thank you. And thank you for bringing up the the word PhD, the letters, man. That's, that, oh man, that's, that's been one of my goals. I don't know if it's a PhD or a doctorate, but I thank you for uh, speaking it because I definitely have been running from it. I mean, it, it called me a long time ago and I'm like, yeah, I didn't get in the first time. So I guess I'm not going to apply ever again. So thank you for that. And I'm, I'm wishing you all the best in that journey. Appreciate um, it. Maybe, maybe help us because you're an athlete and maybe, or you, and you work in sports, you work with a lot of athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, do you notice masks? Or, like, so this context of masks we're talking about is like, uh, you know, right now in the, around the world, everyone's talking about masks, right? But I, I think a lot of people are mostly talking about these like personal protection masks, right? Like how we keep ourselves protected from this, this, this virus. But can you imagine that uh, people were t- wearing emotional disconnection masks before with the coronavirus came, right? This idea of it's just a physical representation of a mask that we kind of already wore, you know? Mm-hmm. I, 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 w- I would agree with you. I think it's a lot of people wearing masks and I think sometimes it's, it just organically happen. I mean, you, I think the way the climate is now, especially with the, the civil unrest and the racial disparity in this, in this country, I think it's always, especially for me as a black man, I felt like I always wore a mask to protect myself and not expose too much of myself. But then kind of cold switch to fit in at times. I know certain situations for me, I would have definitely had to cold switch. And at the time, I didn't know what that was coming from the inner city. I'm like, all I was used to being around was black people until I moved down to North Carolina. I had a couple, I had mixed Mexicans, white, Asian. It was all, it was like a melting pot. So when I came back to Philadelphia and then went to college, it was like going out to Kansas or Missouri. I was in Maine. And it was like, this is predominantly all white. So just adjusting and to learn of like, I didn't know who I was. And for me, it took me 29 years to take off my mask to really feel comfortable. I'm 32 now, so that's not that long ago. So for me, it's like, I know I'm not the only one. And, you know, going into this field of psychology, you see certain things that might trigger people or they might, you might know somebody from this big and now you see them on social media. And it's like, is that really who you are? But I just feel like you can't judge people. 
people at, at different vibrations. So I just take it like, I just meet people where they're at and not really judge. But I definitely see that it's plenty of people wearing masks. Yeah. You know, depending on how much you're willing to share about your background, like, did you grow up with like messages of like how you could be yourself or, I mean, as you growing up to be an athlete, did you, were you constantly bombarded with suck it up, man up, walk it off, you know, like you ain't hurt, get it, get through it. Like, what, what messages were you groomed with growing up? Well, I think I got, a, I got the best of both worlds. So I was raised half of my father and half, half of my father and my grandfather and half of my mother. So my dad moved from Philadelphia at a young age. Uh, I was going to the second grade. Matter of fact, I was going to the second grade. So I was down in North Carolina from second grade to 10th grade. So for me, my father always used to tell me, you're going to be, you, he taught me how to be a man. Him and my grandfather really imprinted on my life. And my grandfather was a big, big instrumental part of my life, as well as I had coaches every year, like knowing a sense of self. But I think with this athletic background, I think we tend to, as men, we want to be in groups. And what I mean by that, you want to fit in. So my thing is I'm competitive. Uh, I'm a very competitive person. I don't care what it is. And at times I felt like I had to wear a mask if I wasn't that good as somebody else. For me, I was always the star player at a time. And then, you know, as you move up and as you get older, the level, the, the playing field gets even. So for me, I had to kind of figure out during the way of who I was, the athletic identities. Like when athletics wasn't going well, I wasn't going well. And that was when the mask came up. And that's when I was scared to be vulnerable. It's like, yo, I don't want to be tough. I don't want to feel like I got to be aggressive. Because I said at times, I feel like when I've been playing sports, I've been playing out of anger for fear. And just to try to make it like, you know, when you, ex when you have less exposure, I think you tend to put on a mask. You, you, you're very guarded, you're very tight, and you're very protective. It's like, from, uh, all, if all you see is the basketball court and drug dealers and this, that, and the third, it's like, well, I only got two options. This basketball stuff has to work. So for me, it was definitely uh, a mask was consistently with sports and just in everyday life. Like, I got to be perfect almost. And, you know, that's, that's tough for a young kid to process and not having parents that was getting help for their trauma that they had. So now for me, when I look at it, I don't judge my parents as I used to because I understand that we all have a past and we all have we all wear a mask at some point. It's about when do you feel comfortable for yourself. But my father and my grandfather did an amazing job of always being who I was. But I was still intimidated at the times because I got two men like, yo, we're not babying you. We're gonna show you tough love, but we're not babying you. We're gonna show you how to be a man. So that loving part I didn't get. So when I came back to live with my mother, I was very like kind of staying off. So I didn't want to hug. I wasn't I wasn't like all lovey-dovey and stuff so it was definitely a mask on from that point mm, thank you man thank, thanks for speaking to that i really appreciate that i was talking to someone just the other day on uh street soldiers it's a radio show here um and i was like i remember like uh my grandfather was like the pastor at our church and so we would go i was the oldest my sister was next after me like she would always run and he would like grab her and hug her and he would pick her up and and i'll be like now, I was always a big kid, so people never want to really pick me up anyway. But nonetheless, like I, I feel like I missed that. Like, right? Come on, granddaddy, like you're super strong. You're the strongest man I know, right? Like, but he would just rub me on the head. Good job, son. That's what he would say, right? But like, I was like, I really I felt like I wanted more, right? I wanted that. I wanted a deeper connection. I think it was like longing for that because my father died before I was born, so I didn't have in my house. It was it was just mom, you know. So. Yeah, so thank you for sharing that. And I, and I, I, 
to the audience, I, you know, I said, I, well, this is not an interview. I didn't even plan to ask questions. I just kind of like flowed the, followed the conversation. So um, maybe this is turning into more of a, a deeper conversation than I actually expected when I created this, right? Because I think that what I want for men is to know that, you know, we're all human. We're all going through stuff. And if we cut off those parts of ourselves, right, the, the empathic part of ourselves, the, the feeling part of ourselves, are we really being fully human? Are we, are we being fully ourselves? Like who, who are we when we're trying to fit into what society says, here's what a real man does. Don't show those feelings, suck it up. Right. Then you're like, Oh, so I can't really show what I feel. It's not safe to show how I feel, you know? Right. Right. When you said it, when you said at 29 to like to now, what happened that helped you begin to make a switch or was there something that transitioned you from saying, I'm not going to talk about it or think about it or address these. And Uh, and uh, I think for me, well, my brother was murdered when I, when I was 14 and he was 19. So that was October 18, 2001. Today is his birthday. Him and my grandfather passed away. I mean, my brother got murdered and my grandfather passed away two years. So they birthday on the same day. So for me, the reason for me, I think 29 years, because I had a sense of self. I had to do my own research. I, I really start digging deep in my, within myself. And I said, I can't go through this life of being somebody that I'm not. And I can't live up to anybody's expectations. Because if I don't have a sense of self, then it's going, it's going how can I be the best version of me? And I have a daughter. So for me, I have to be all in. I have to be, because if I'm teaching her and I'm teaching other kids or I'm screaming these messages and I'm not, and I don't have a sense of self, then I can't help nobody else. And for me, me being a graduate assistant at the University of Missouri, men's basketball team, it showed me a lot that I wasn't the only one going through these things as men, as a man. And I said, I've been there. I seen what this looked like. I know the triggers. I was diagnosed with three mental illnesses that I like that I cope with, like depression, anxiety, and PTSD. And I said, I'm not ashamed of it. I said, I think I'm I'm successful in my own right by coming clean and being authentic because I think a lot of times that we trick ourselves and we, you know, there's so much temptation out here and the negative that we tend to, it's, uh, my coaches always tell me, it's hard to do the right thing every day with all this temptation around. And I took that to heart because I respect men who give me great words of encouragement. And I know he's consistent with his life and I've seen the results of where he's at on a professional level. So for me, it was like, you know, it's time to take off these chains. It's time to take off this, this mask and really unveil who you are and be authentic because if I'm the same way I'm on my social media, I'm the same way off of it because I don't want nobody to say, well, you know what? He's not really what he says or he's not promoting what, the stuff that he's actually doing. And I feel like, man, it's not a fantasy for me. My, me dealing with mental illness and, or mental health in general, that's my life. So I don't take it as a game. Like I, I don't play like that's not nothing to be played with. And I take that very serious. So, you know, I just found my place and it just was something that when I got, became the graduate assistant, I'm like, Yo, what am I running from? I'm a grown man. Like, I, what am I running from? And I think I was running from myself to really separate the athletic ability because, you know, athlete, it's hard to transition from not playing. Like, I played professionally overseas for the three years, and I quit on my own. It was like, you know, I'm done. I'm good. I'm fulfilled. And, 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 and I never looked back because, you know, the expectation of other people. Like, man, you ain't playing them. Why are you not playing? They don't know the mental aspect of that whole lifestyle and what it comes with it. And they just think it's all basketball. You know, you're living in the country for nine to 12 months by yourself, isolated. Like they think that's a pandemic that we in now. Think about you in a different country when you don't have no family, it's just you. 
there's guys over there right now that's going through that same instance with the pandemic. It's like, you got to adjust the food, language, basketball. And for me, it's just like, yo, it's time to take, I got to be able to help other people decipher out of this because I felt like I made it out. But it's, you shouldn't be ashamed of when you're going through it and you're trying to figure out who you are because you're growing every day. Nobody's never the same. So that's a little bit of how I got to that process. And I think just being a graduate assistant and seeing our guys, they really sparked it into me. It's like, and you should be a psychologist. And so what happened, somebody sent me the uh, qualifications of a mental health uh, professional. I'm like, yo, I don't need to send this back. I can do this work myself. I'm doing it right now. So that really what drove me to really open up and, and everything like that. Man, that's fantastic. And first of all, thank you for sharing about the birthday of your brother and your grandfather. Mm-hmm. So, and, and just maybe we just... <laughs> take, a, take a breath for them both, you know? For sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. Well, you know, maybe we, we jump into these masks. I think we were already starting to kind of peel it back a little bit. Maybe we, like, we, we give the guests an audience uh, to decide how you want to do it. You want to go first? You want to go front, back? You want me to go first? You want to go front, front, back, back? Like, what, what what's calling your attention right now to how you want to? Uh, I go front. I go first. I go front. Okay. So I just got sh- just show you mine. Yeah, we can do that. Okay. Yeah. I hope I, I hope I hope everybody can see my right side <laughs> of my mask. So mine's mine of uh, the mask is so what I put on my right side was resilient, leader, and spontaneous. And my mask was basically just with the eyes up and just always keen on an assignment and just well aware. Okay. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna show mine. Okay, so this is uh, all right. So this is the front. So front is helpful, funny, hardworking. So this is the one I told you from uh two years ago that um that I really was resonating with this morning. Nice. Helpful, hardworking, and funny. And I think the <laughs> look at the face is how funny. It's like uh like kind of like uh, what's going on? Like what's going on? Doesn't look right. funny right there. It's funny looking, but it's not necessarily uh, funny. Um, no, it's dope. Hmm. So, so, so for the back for me was this is some of the stuff that I put that up. You probably can't read it backwards. So let me read it out. Uh, embarrassment, fear, and sometimes scared. Man, thank you. Thanks for sharing that. Well, there we go. There we go. <laughs> So the back of mine says uh, fear of failure, uh, sadness about my father's death, and mental health issues in family. This is my brother. Sorry to hear that. Yeah. When you spoke about your 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 brother and your grandfather, it just it resonated, right? Because mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that happens to be on this card. And my father died before I was born, so wow. I never I never met him, but I still feel it, right? You still feel right. it, right? The emptiness mm-hmm. and the yeah. So what, what, what's calling your attention right now to, to start with on the car? What, 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 which word front or back is like pulling energy to you right now? Really? It's, it's in a weird, I, I would say weird space. I mean, just with the climate and just the research of understanding us as black people. And it's kind of like a weary, I'm learning so much daily. It's like an overload of, oh, I'm going to say overwhelming, rather. Overwhelming where at the same time, because it, as I think about it, and I was reading an article today about, uh, it was like, a matter of fact, it was a YouTube thing that I was watching. It was like, the guy said, 
for four years, he didn't get none out of high school because he felt like it was all lies from the textbooks and the stuff and the history of the, the, the book was predominantly uh, white from a white man who wrote the book and it, was, it didn't tell the whole story. And for me, as an athlete, he said that they use athletes as mascots. So when you said mask, I'm like, wow, I never really looked at it. Like they separate us athletes on high school. And anytime you play a sport, they, they don't treat you the same. And it's like, you got to put this mask on, like you're different. And it's like, no, I'm not. I'm actually the same, just that I'm just talented. And this is my professional area. So like, it's very overwhelming learning more about black people and, and, and really un covering all the things that you know that might maybe not was true or they didn't tell the whole story and stuff like that so probably overwhelming yeah you know when you spoke about the the athletes in schools i know i've been to a lot of schools i don't remember when i was in school but i've seen it in many schools now we do work like you go to school and the the whatever team is in in season they got shirts and ties on right and they're like dressed up i'm like oh what's happening today oh this is what we have to do as a team, right? And you imagine that it's a way of like, this is like our pre-uniform uniform, right? right. It's like getting us all in the same place. So when we see each other today, we know we gotta be on our best behavior because not only are we, 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 we dress this part, but we, right. gotta, we got a game. So we can't, hey, do we get to class, hurry up. Get, you know, like the, the stuff that happens to, to kind of corral each other around this big day, mm-hmm. right? That happens. Yep throughout the season, right? And so um, imagine, I don't know where that started and who started it, but you imagine this idea, okay, so we're gonna be uniformed tonight at the game or this afternoon, but during the day, we need to make sure that we're all like on same accord, right? It's a really interesting thing when you talked about the masquerade, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, for, for me, the word that sticks out is around mental health. And I want to appreciate you for sharing some of your personal story about that. I, you know, I have a brother who has a, a schizophrenia, paranoid schizophrenia. And uh, he, I'm always worried about him. He lives here in Oakland. He lives at a, you know, adult living facility so that he can have a little more freedom. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he, he, he doesn't, uh, our conversations are always interesting. <laughs> My brother is, um, I love him, but uh, he wears me out. You know, like, like I, I was thinking about this the other day. So, you know, if people have never dealt with anybody who has mental, mental disabilities or mental challenges, like you would think like, well, just, 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 just do this, but you have have no idea, you know, you have no idea what they're going through, what you're going through. My brother, there'll be days like I will, I want to go buy him some food. So I'll call his place. No one knows where he's at. So I, I don't go buy food and just leave it there. So, um, Days I want to buy him something, he's never around. The day I'm like the most exhausted, the day I'm like the most wiped out, I'll come back out of town. Brother, when I was traveling, I would come home. I just pull the luggage in the house. I sit on the couch. The phone rings. I'm like, hello. He's like, bring me a burger. And I'm like, dude, like, it's just not going to happen. It's not, it's not going to happen. Like, I, I, I love you, but I can't do it. Come on. Come on. You know, you're my big brother. Like, and my brother is... 30 something right but he 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 knows that big brother thing is a is is a big deal right so right and then this is like one of the funnier stories of him but some of the stories more are like i'm like you know i can't do it and then i feel guilty and then i'm like exhausted but i'm also like 
don't have energy to go to go over get him food and take it to his place and then come you know so anyway those are the moments that are just like those uh conflicts in the it seems easy enough to do but it's also mm-hmm. easy not to do you know and uh yeah but i think that uh trying to support him and make sure that he's well you know I, I'm, I'm always afraid of how he interacts with police right like yeah. like i've seen police don't even talk to me oftentimes with respect and i right and I answer their questions directly. My brother never answers a direct question. So I'm like worried about what he's going to encounter out there. And he's always, he loves walking around. So he loves exploring. And um, yeah, so those things. So thank you for bringing that up because it really, it landed really heavily right there. No, I appreciate you sharing your story as well, man, because I think it's very important. The more we share, I think the more we educate in this real life experience, like your story resonates a little bit with mine, vice versa. And I think we got to bring this stuff to the forefront because if we don't talk about it or we talk about it, we might be talking behind closed doors, but if we don't bring it out, then you, I think the effect is we, we shorten ourselves because this is, it's a time of educating, you know, just sharing your experience, however deep you want to go, you know, that's the, that's what it is. So I appreciate that. Yeah. So is there any other word on the card that you want to speak to right now before we. Oh um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I think fear, fear of, not fulfilling my purpose. I think that's, for me, that's been the biggest thing of my life. Like since I came out this, I feel like I'm liberated and it's like 29 years. And I'm like, I'm not, I don't force people to liberate themselves right away. Cause I said, yo, I'm 29. I was a graduate assistant at 30 years old. Like that's like an internship almost like who's interning at 30 is like, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just like me being liberated and understanding who I am as a person and really it scares me at times because it's like, yo, what are you capable of? What are you capable of reaching? Like now I just, the fear, I like, I look at Malcolm X and Fred Hampton and like those guys were young guys. Like Fred Hampton was 21 years old when he was murdered. It's like, yo, he made a big impact and the fear of not knowing. And I think mm-hmm. not knowing of what's next on my liberation and where it would take me. Cause I feel like I am an activist in a way. I feel like I am a leader. But then I also know that it's a possibility that I could be murdered by whatever, not by just cops, the normal person in the street. The, and not saying the cops not normal, but they have a badge where they have an authority. So they're little, I mean, they don't have as much restriction as somebody on the street, but just in general, the way the climate is and stuff like that. So that's one thing that I do at Times Fair, but I'd like, what is it to be fearful for at times? So it just, it, it, it fluctuates. It fluctuates on the more I read, the more confidence I gain. And like, yo, you know what? Malcolm, Martin, Fred, they all died for a cause. And they didn't make it to see this to this point, but maybe it might, I might make it to see the, what the change might be. And I want to be a part of the change, whatever my legacy. I want to make sure that people know what I stand for. Yeah, thank you for that, man. You know, when you talk about fear, my, my first one is fear of failure, right? Fear of not living up to the, the goals that I have for myself. I think earlier you talked about the pressure from others on you. like. Why are you not playing anymore? Like, I think if you, if, 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 if that fear had overcome you, you may have made yourself play longer than you personally wanted to play, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, when I left my engineering career, like, there were friends like, dude, are you crazy? Are you tripping? You know how much teachers get paid? I'm like, yeah, not much, <laughs> right? And that idea of, like, the, if the fear of that was, like, overwhelming from the fear of, like, being in a job that I was miserable at for the rest of my life, like, I think there's someone who says something like, I wonder if people are more motivated by the, by fear 
of failure or the fear of success, right? And so when I write that every time, I'm like, what is the most fear? Like, I've never written yet on a card, I fear of success. I maybe once, I think I was one time I was like, am I afraid of it? Am I, am I really like, is that really what I, it didn't, it didn't land as much as this idea. I don't want to fail. Right. I want to have a legacy. Right. I want to leave. Where do we in this work get to talk about legacy? No one really talked about that when I was growing up. Hey, what's your, what legacy are you leaving? Right. I mean, I think that wealthy people from what I understand, they, they have, they have the picture on the mantle, right? Of the fireplace. Here's, here's where we came from. And you, one day you are going to have your picture up here, like, or along this wall, like of, of legacy, like you're, you're a part of this journey. And I think right. that uh, when you talked about your age, thank you for sharing that. Cause I think that a lot of times we expect to be a certain place at a second other time, right? Mm-hmm. We expect to be along a journey. We, we, we think we can already define what our journey should look like. Like, I had a plan to be rich by 45. Like I was going to be, I already had a plan at eight, at, at 17 years old, I had a plan. Right. And that plan just got changed so dramatically, right? Cause if you want to be rich, you don't leave an engineering career to go become a teacher. That's just not, that's not along the path of I'm going towards <laughs> richness, right? It, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. And I think if we don't get clear, we, uh, we, we could also be living our life, under the expectations of others, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh so, yeah. So fear of failure for me is one that, and that, oh man, when you talked about the age part, like I like, I'm 40, I'm 45. What? What? Like I'm in denial. I got invited to be on a podcast recently called the midlife crisis, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, why are you inviting me to this show? Like <laughs> I'm, I'm young. Right. 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 <laughs> but but many of my life, many of my family don't live in 90. So I was like, Oh man, that's actually, pretty darn accurate. Like I never would have thought about that, right? Me being midlife, but I, I think that that's, um, yeah. So anyway, so yeah, I had a, had a journey, had a vision to be farther along and, um, and I get to talk about it right now, right? The idea is that where do you, where do you go to talk about that? Let me ask you that. Where do you go to talk about stuff? Like, where, do you have a space? Do you have people who you can just go and just, just, be, I'm, a, I'm, yeah, I, I do. I kind of like I, I go through stretches where I journal. Journal has been helpful for me. Talking to my psychologist, having the Zoom means that I that I offer for people like that's therapy for me. And just and I'm very like I said, I might post something on my social media, and I'm really might be talking about myself, but I talk in general to get a response and match my kind of my thought process. That for me, I always value other people's opinion. Cause I think it's objective and it's not subjective where, okay, if they saying this and I'm out of 10, if it's nine out of 10, I, I know and my answer is close, then I'm on the right, tra- I'm on the right track, which the person got to have substance. You're not going to just throw it out there just to say anything, of course. But you know, I, I really unpack and I, sometimes I keep it to myself. I'm trying to get better at actually being vulnerable. My girl, my girlfriend told me the other day, she's like, well, when is the time that you, I mean, I know you're talking about mental health. I know you have your issues and stuff like that, but, do you why when when is the time that it happens i'm like i, I was kind of like stuck like i don't know if i i don't know how to tell you like i'm going through like depression or something like that i said i might write it like i'm having some this is bad like or anxiety like in the act i could tell you but i don't know if i'm like the last week man i was depressed like i don't know what like so just like learning more of myself and like i said in order to be transparent 
with people, I have to be transparent with myself and especially the people that's around me that love and care for me so they can understand that I'm, I'm a work in progress every day. And I'm proud to talk about this stuff and I'm very open and it's like, yo, I'm, I'm at a comfort level. It's like, this doesn't feel like I'm overdoing it. This doesn't feel like a job. Just like you said, it's a candid conversation talking about our lives and I'm just applying it, all this stuff that I'm learning from your story as well as other people's story. And, yo, this might work for me. I might be in the same predicament one day. I got to be, I got to show empathy. I got to understand that everybody's not on the same vibration, like I said earlier, but it's a way to understand and get to understand. Everybody has Google. <laughs> Everybody has Google, so, you know. <laughs> can you tell us about the, the show you do on Zoom? Can you tell us about that? Because I know that you do some work supporting other men, and um, you invited me to be on one of your shows, so I want to... Uh, full disclosure, like we know each other before today. It's not, a, I'm not talking to a stranger here necessarily, <laughs> but I'm still learning new things about him. So um, tell us about what you're doing. What, what, what did you create? What is it? What's the name of it? And then um, at the end, we'll make sure you let us know how we can follow okay. you. Yeah. So, so the organization that I became a part of, actually, you know, before, like before I took this journey, I was just posting stuff about my personal experience. I think that's the best way to segue into understanding other people. So I just, vulnerable social network i think that's the, the power of social network you never know who you might meet like me and you met and stuff like that and just connecting with people so me and my partner uh she actually just randomly wrote me she's like well what do you think about partner up because i've been doing the zoom means for black men and black boys so i created a space just for that because i know how hard it is to talk about our struggles and being vulnerable at times because you feel like you got to be superman a superhero like superman like Anything that you do is going to be broadcast, especially when you're on a level where you're out there. Or even if you're not out there, the the media and the the projections that they put on black men, sometimes, for me, I feel like it's unfair. Like, I don't feel like we get a, a, a fair shot. Now, you're supposed to hold people accountable. No question. No doubt about that. But things that we're seeing and constantly portrayed in the media, it's just like, it's not a positive life. So for me, creating this space for black men and black boys to be vulnerable. So I invite a therapist or somebody that's in that field, psychologist, or anybody who's doing work around helping young men and out, especially black men and black boys, because I'm black. So I'm learning more. But like I said, it took me 29 years to really uncover, take my mask off and understand who I was. So I know other people on that call can benefit from hearing other people's experience. So it's just a, I ask questions and I'm always vulnerable first to let people in of my story. So you know, I'm gonna be as frank and transparent and it's gonna be a safe space, basically creating a safe space for us to talk about our struggles and how do you process preventive measures. I think we always do reactive. Mm -hmm. For me, I'm more like, how can we prevent this stigma or how can we prevent this action from happening? Because we don't talk about how to deal with healthy conversations. You can debate, but are we getting some out of the debate where it's not turned to an argument or you feel like you're being disrespected as a young man or as a young boy? So. I'm do, I do that every two weeks and just come up with topics that people want to hear and just go off the like and let, and let it people let people be transparent and be open. It's an open forum. So at first it starts off as questions and then the next it goes to open forum where you can ask me or the host uh, what's come because I'm learning every day when I'm on there. So the organization is called for blackmen.org, man. It's, and I, it's been amazing. And like I appreciate you for coming on and sharing the exercise, but as well as just having people open up. Some of these people are my friends. Some people, I don't have a clue of who they are, but it's just amazing uh, to have 50 to 100 black men and black boys that sometimes that I had a couple times or whatever and see, because I don't think with this pandemic, 
I don't know if I can get 100 black men and black boys in one uh, central location, like all together. Like that would be hard right now. But this pandemic has like, man, you ain't got nothing to do. Join this Zoom meeting. <laughs> Join the Zoom. So that's a little bit of what I've been doing so far. And I'm just, you know, just speaking to teams and speaking to people and just really doing a lot of community work where it's okay not to have it all together. You're going to make mistakes. And, you know, I'm open. I'm an open book, as you can see. So, man. Well, I really like the idea of the preventive. You know, I wonder as you are working with athletes at, at um, and, and what, imagine when they recognize that you can be real then maybe it gives them more permission to be real with you, you know? And, you know, as we think about our, these black bodies, right. Our, our men come to these campuses in NCAA, whether it's the division one, division two, whatever, there's money generated from them performing, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you find that men um, who you work with that, that once you open up the door, that gives them permission to feel like they can be human too. Do you feel like that as a really powerful, because uh, that you know how to do it and you're not like thinking about it from a book or theory that you're saying, well, look, I'm, I'm human too. And I'm, you know, how, how, how do those encounters go? So any person, I'm very visual. I'm a visual learner. I don't learn of somebody telling me something to go follow the line. So I'm very hands-on and visual. So the first time I'm working with somebody, we FaceTime. I need to see your reaction when I tell you these things because, like I said before, for me, mental health and talking about my my vulnerability and it's serious. Like I'm not pouring myself out to you to let you know that I'm not human and understand that yo we're the same. We are the same. We are human people. Like we are we are the same. So. Don't think, like, when I'm sharing this stuff with you, I don't care even if you open up a little bit. Like, I'm not worried how much you open up. I want you to see my reaction of how I feel about this situation. If it resonates with you, take a little piece by piece. It's going to be a building block. Like I said, I'm talking to 17 to 23-year-old kids in college. They, they, Some people don't feel comfortable. Or if we have a regular conversation, if we in a locker room or we, you know, how was your day? I don't even ask about the basketball part. I'm the basketball player, so... I look at you as a human. It's like, yo, it's a possibility you might not make the NBA. So what are you going to do now? Like, I'm talking about not after you play. What are you going to do now? So think about it that you're not playing now. How would you feel right now? So I'm very consistent. Uh, like I said, I meet with these. I meet with guys, like, every week. I FaceTime. Yo, you good? Oh, I, I love you. Like, I tell a kid, I like, if you ask my players that I was at the University of Missouri, I give them all a hug. They be like, yo, at first it was like, it's uncomfortable. Like, so why you why you hugging me? I said, well, I'm not, I'm not gay. No disrespect to anybody. That's, that I'm not, that's not, I'm not that. So don't take it as that. I'm embracing you as a young man. I love you for your, for who you are. So at first it was uncomfortable. Now it was to the point where they were trying to hit hunt me, try to give me a hug first. And for me, that made me feel good because I said, some of these kids might not get hugs. Like you said, you was like, like you said earlier, like you was yearning for that from your family members and stuff. And I said, Yo, just think, I, I, to this day, I respect my grandfather and my father. My father still call me, yo, I love you, son. I just want to call you, I love you. Oh, you're doing great. I see you on your feet, whatever. For me, if I can be that buffer between, not trying to be your father, but be somebody that's there, yo, it's all right. Yo, you, yo, yo, you need to cry. Cry on the FaceTime. We're going to sit here until we go to sleep. And I feel like that's, that's, where my, that's where I'm at in my place. I'm so comfortable with myself. And, you know, like I said, I'm a work in progress, and I'm going to continue to do that work. And, you know, like without the theory, and once I get the credentials, that's just going to sharpen me up even more. So, you know. 
Yeah, man. Thank you for that. I think, you know, the, the work that we're doing ever for what I appreciate about what you said is the idea that like sometimes like when I, when students in ever forward, when they first came, like I would always like give them a big heavy pat on the back. Right. You're right. These are high school students. So, you know, trying to like find that space and they would know like if I ever gave him a hug, like it was going to be like a bear hug. One of our, one of our young men who's now a teacher, he became a teacher. He was like, yeah, you know, Branch would give you these big old bear hugs. I thought he was going to break my back. And I was like, man. And the idea was that it was a connection, right? I mean, I was just a teacher, but they knew that the connection was more deeper than um, just teaching math. Like my connection with them was trying to help them say that I see you. I see you for being a human who has, who can feel, who is all human in yourself, who has feelings, who may not talk about them. And whether you talk about them or not, it's okay. And I think that's what we've been trying to do. And so thank you for sharing that. I think that I think our young men need that. And I think they, like, you know, you having your father and grandfather in your life, what we see in a lot of our work is most of our young men don't. Right. Or they don't, or they, or they don't have a great relationship with their or father. Or, that's right. That's and, right. And it just, and just like for, for the work, I applaud you for the work because it's people don't understand that a male, especially for black males, that's so important because you can be swayed by so many things and temptations, and you see that you probably see it every day dealing with the demographic that you serve, and it's like you have to give more. I have to be more. I have to give more because they're not getting it. Some kids are not getting consistency. And I, I embrace that. Like, I have to be consistent to show you that I don't care if you make this professional sport. I'm here with you. When you fall down, I'm going to pick you back up. Like, you mind. Like, you part of like you part of my family. Because when they stereotype one of us, they stereotype all of us. So yeah. I'm going to make sure we're going to be on the best for ourselves. Not for nobody else, but we're going to show you what it is to be a black male and a black man and maintain and navigate through these spaces that might feel uncomfortable to get comfortable. So... You know, I applaud you for the work that you're doing, man. It's, it's, it's very well needed. Well, I thank you, man. Thank you for serving men, for being in this work to go give back. Like you're saying, look, I'm going to help these youngsters, these 18 to 24, 22-year-olds, and I'm going to go back and help other men in the community. So mm-hmm. I know that um, the men who I heard on that call were just uh, really appreciative of what you had created, a space that they could mm-hmm. get real. And so that's what this podcast is called, Taking Off the Mask. Man, I thank you for taking off the mask with me today. I appreciate you. you. Is there anything you want to, like, w- uh, please let us know how we can follow you, how we can, you know, be in touch with you. And I'll put everything in the show notes as well. So all okay. that will be there. But tell, tell the folks how they can follow what you're doing or find ways they can connect or support your work. Uh, so I, I'm going to give you a couple of my handles. So my Instagram is NafisRich2. Uh, my second one is Collab, C-O-L-L-A-M-G-T. Uh, on Instagram and on uh, Twitter, Nafisa Ricks. It's just simple as that. And uh, blackmen.org is the organization. Anybody want to donate to the cause and check it out, please. I always tell people, do your homework. Whatever you get involved with, do your homework. I want people to know who I am. I want you to ask me questions. Don't hesitate to reach out or anything. Email me at collabmanagement, C-O-L-L-A-M-G-T, at gmail.com. You can connect with me there and just ask questions about my life and how can I serve? Because I feel like I'm in a serving business. Uh, I, I get fulfilled from hearing people's stories and trying to help them process and well, as well as I'm processing at the same time. So that's two places that you can catch me on or Facebook and Nafis Ricks as well. So that's the most easiest way to contact me. Man, thank you, brother. 
And thank you for taking some time out of your day, you know, and just being with us here. Um, super glad to be connected with you. And I'm looking forward to what we do in the future. I think there's opportunities for us to figure out how, I don't know a million people. We, we create a goal to collect a million masks. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm clear that the, that the, the journey is what I'm really looking for, right? I'm looking for the journey of helping more people around here in the U.S., our black men and boys, people who are not, but we just need to get to see each other a little bit more. So thank you for being with us today. And thank you for having me on. This is a great show. This is a great podcast. And it was a candid conversation. Uh, Man, if I can, if I can send any people your way to share their stories as well, man, I, I applaud, I applaud you for this. This is great. Thank you so much. You know, one thing that will be beautiful, um, and you may have some ideas about this, you know, what we're going to, what we're creating is also a part of our show that's called Face to Face. And so what will happen is two men, two people will come together and they will actually, whether they, they're just talking to each other about the mask they made. It's like a 20 minute, it's a shorter show, but it's, um, I think it's really beautiful. So if you know any men who are, who are open to talking and we can find another man here on the East Coast or West Coast. We can find a man right near there. Maybe they got a, a friend they've been wanting to talk to about something and go deeper. They just face off. They make a mask. They share it front and back. And then they'd be like, whoa, how was that? <laughs> right. And they get to like have a conversation around. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Right? So is it whether it's somebody they know or don't. So please let me know. And we we actually need to get some face to faces happen pretty soon. So if you know anybody, please let us know. Absolutely. I will. I will do, definitely do that. Right on, brother. Well, have a great thank you, folks, for being here for the Taking Out the Mask podcast. We are so excited you joined us with my brother, Nafis Ricks. And um, this won't be the last time you hear of him. And um, hopefully um, he's going to bring some folks on, do a face-to-face soon. And we look forward to serving the work that he's doing and people are doing all over the country and around the world. Thank you so much. We'll see you soon. If what you heard today you enjoyed, if you've listened to this and you found something inspiring, please like and subscribe to this podcast. That's the best way for someone to uh, find this podcast, maybe like you did. Um, please tell someone about it. If you know, listen to some of our previous episodes, and if one of them rings out to you, please share it with somebody you know. Uh, we also invite people to join us in a face-to-face where they come together with another person to make a mask and talk about that mask together. There's short conversations, about 20, 30 minutes. So if that's something that's interesting to you, please uh, send us a message, send us in the comments below, let us know that you're interested in that. And we look forward to you joining the movement of the Million Mask Movement. And check out our new shirt. I don't know if you can can see it, but this is our new shirt, the Million Mask Movement. And so uh, we'll have these soon available, uh, but we look forward to you being a part of the movement and supporting our work. Uh, Please consider supporting the work that we do in Ever Forward and in the work that we do in the Million Mask Movement to let people around the world realize that they're not alone. Thank you.